The Film Guide with Sam and Chris, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Hello and welcome to the St Albans Film Guide. It is, of course, Friday the 24th of February 2023. And that also means, as we all know, that it is happy 2,460,000th Julian Day. Isn't that correct, Sam Rolfe? That is correct, Chris Aikman. It's very exciting. Explain what that is to anyone, those dunces out there who don't know. No, it's not It's not about being a dunce at all. It's dunces. just another... <laughs> I know the answer. I just want to see if you do. Okay. Well, let me explain it. It's just another way of counting time. You know, we here in the West use a Gregorian calendar and it is the year 2023, but... In astronomy, use what's called Julian Day, where rather than have the day change at midnight, which when you're doing calculations of you know time and the date changes halfway through the night when you're trying to observe across you know several hours, that's irritating. So we came up, came up with a way of having the calendar change, the day change at midday instead. And so every day at midday, We add one more as we do with our normal calendar. And it just so happens that today is the 2,460,000th day of that calendar. And since 1995, I think it was, it's been 2,450,000 and something. And now it's just ticked over into 2,460,000. So... Well, thank you, Sam. And that is the St. Albans Film Guide for this week. Next week, uh, you'll be... No, I'm just joking. <clears throat> that is not what you've come here for the Film Guide for. It's just an extra little factoid that you can come away and then tell all your friends about, uh, as well as all the great things you're going to learn about films this week. So first of all, we're going to start with, as usual, what is new to cinemas. And you've got a couple of films in your list here, one of which I'm very excited, excited about. I'm so glad to hear that you're excited, Chris. Because I'm, I'm excited as well. I'm amped. It's like I'm Excellent. on something. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to figure out a way of, uh, yeah. So the title of this movie is Cocaine Bear. Yeah. What could go wrong? Exactly. Uh, and this is directed by Elizabeth Banks, who people may know for her more acting roles, but she's now moving to di- direction as well. And this is a story based on a true story, mind you, of an unfortunate incident where somebody, I don't know who it was, left a bunch of cocaine out in the woods. Didn't they throw it out of a plane? Yes. They actually had to ditch it from their plane because it was too weighty and you've got to balance your your plane correctly, otherwise you're going to have trouble. Everyone knows that. So they ditched a bunch of cocaine out the back of the plane. It went... Um, obviously fell into the woods and then some poor bear came across it and had a little party but unfortunately didn't make it IRL. As you can imagine so in real life this bear was basically they found the cocaine and they found a dead bear right in the middle of it covered in all this white powder having eaten quite a bit of cocaine. Yeah. This film reimagines that as the bear eats the cocaine then goes very gets very high and aggressive and starts killing a lot of people. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I suppose once you've got enough taste for it, like 
I don't know. I, it's, not, it's not anything I've ever been in, interested in. So Sure. Got no clue. Sure but you don't. You can imagine um, what a bear might end up being like if it happened to come across a bunch of cocaine and not to the point of overdosing. So, yeah, I guess it, it's kind. Of, it seems from the trailer kind of in the vein of what was that lion movie recently where it was taking revenge on people for hunting. Are you talking about Beast? Yeah, was With that Idris Elba? Idris Elba. Yeah. Well, yes, but it also it's more comedically aimed than that. Like that. Seemed, yeah. I didn't see that, but it seemed sort of quite serious. Whereas this is very much tongue in cheek, uh, and includes one of the final on-screen performances of the late great Ray Liotta, who obviously more well known for his role as Henry Hill in Goodfellas, for instance, and many other things. But yes, he sadly passed away last year, so quite unexpectedly. So yes, this is one of his final film roles. Well, there you are. So. Yeah, I think this will be a little bit of fun. and One for all the family. Yeah, so, sure. <laughs> take your kids to see it. <laughs> and then also in the cinema, there is What's Love Got to Do With It? That's right. Uh, this is a story about a documentarian, I think is, prob- is the correct word. I don't I believe, know. I believe so. Uh, where the character Zoe decides to film her neighbour's journey from London to Lahore, where he is to marry the woman of his parents' choice. And having embarked on this journey, Zoe ends up experiencing a different approach to finding love. That's all I know. Didn't watch the trailer. It has <laughs> Lily James and Jazad Latif. It does. Also, uh, Emma Thompson. Uh, Recognised win there as well. Uh, yes, this it, it the, the trailer sort of hints at classic rom-com thing of, oh, we'll, we'll go, you know, I'll, I'll document your... Your journey through this arranged marriage, but also, am I am I falling in love with you as well? And uh, so, very much a will they, won't they? Sounds right on my street. It does. You love that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> I think I'll stick to cocaine I there think, this, I this think week. You probably will. Yes. Uh, so that is the films. I mean, there are many other films. Too many to to fit into this whole roundup being released across the country. But those are the two big ones today, Friday the 24th of February. Next up, films new to streaming. Right, part two, new to streaming. Uh, Just the one film this week from you, and that's on Netflix, and it's called We Have a Ghost. Yep, there was uh, not much else going on on the streamings, but this did look like good fun. It's a sort of comedy horror i suppose more more comedy than horror i believe and essentially a family move into a new house and they find a ghost named ernest and that turns their family into an overnight social media sensation but when kevin who is the uh, one of the the new uh, family members in the home and ernest the ghost go rogue to investigate the mystery of ernest's past they become a target of the cia Ooh. What's going on? Because yeah, from the trailer, it seemed that Ernest had no memory of like how he died or anything like that. And we've got David Harbour in that role and Jennifer Coolidge, who we just saw in Shotgun Wedding recently. Yep. And also Steve Coulter, who I think was her partner in that as well, potentially. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He was also in Shotgun Wedding anyway. And Anthony Mackie's in there. The Falcon. 
slash new Captain America. Yes, and Niles Fitch, who is playing Kevin, so I think. From the, from the trailer, this did look like it could be a sort of entertaining watch. David Harbour's uh, good fun. Uh, yeah. From, from Stranger Things, uh, most notably. He was, you haven't seen it, but before Christmas, uh, he was in a Christmas film playing Santa in Violent Night, which I saw at the cinema and... While not a perfect film, was good entertainment and very, very bloody. So, and he was a, he was a good Santa. Okay, so it, Violent Night lived up to its name. It did indeed. Bloody and well, wonderful. I don't think this is that bloody, but obviously, <laughs> probably the not. Trailer, it doesn't strike me as that. No, the trailer doesn't show you everything. So, who's to say? But yeah, a nice little fun movie with an interesting twist on the haunted house. So that is We Have a Ghost on Netflix out today. Right, welcome back to part three, which is usually Sam's Friday Fright Night. But the only note you've written here is nope. So I can imagine that we can just move on. So part four... Hang on, hang on, hang on. Wait. Is it... This doesn't mean nope, there isn't one. This is nope, the movie. Oh, okay. Jordan Peele's latest film. Yeah? That's right. And I literally have just written <laughs> nope. <laughs> because I, uh, you may be able to tell I have a cold. And so <laughs> got a bit lazy with my notes. So yes, nope, we saw this quite recently. This is, as I said, Jordan Peele's latest film, uh, his third film after Get Out and Us, which are two massive hits. Get Out especially was a critical success and I believe Jordan Peele earned Jordan Peele an Academy Award for original screenplay. Is that the Oscars? Yes, it is indeed. Okay. The uh, Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. That doesn't spell Oscars. That's It's a nickname, that's what it is. So anyway, that's another <laughs> little tidbit you've uh, learned to impress your friends. So this is stars uh, Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer as uh, brother and sister siblings who now own a ranch uh, left to them by their late father who died tragically in a sort of mysterious event. And they're trying to keep the business going, or at least OJ played by Daniel Kaluuya is trying to keep the business going. And that business is renting horses for movie productions. They actually, they have a load of horses on this ranch and they rent them out to adverts, films, things like that. But business has been a bit bad, especially since their father passed away. And well, like I said, he passed away in sort of mysterious circumstances. Yeah, so... That may start coming back to haunt them. Indeed. Yeah, it's tricky to actually maybe talk about it without giving too much away, I suppose. We can always do like a spoiler space if you want, sort of skip to... Yeah, that's true, that's true. Yeah, we haven't done that for a while, have we? No. I think we can sort of, certainly before we do that, we can talk about stuff that, if you, you know, the, the trailer is out there. So you can see this yes. in the trailer. I think if it's sort of in the trailer, it's kind of fair game. But basically, there's something in the sky that is uh, not meant to be there. And uh, it's causing trouble for the pair. And that's right. it's, yeah, like you say, sort of a bit difficult to... <laughs> Well, I suppose the other thing we can say um, is that we watched like a video essay and of a someone who's much more well versed in sort of film uh, analysis than, well, certainly I am anyway. And they described it as Jordan Peele's best offering. Yes, he did. And I think that 
if you're looking for an out and out horror I think that more like Get Out and even us are, this probably isn't going to tick that box for you necessarily. Mm. I think it is more of a tense, <laughs> I was going to say thriller. I knew but... you were going to say, I could see you building <laughs> up to it. But if you say thriller, then in then your I've... mind, that means there's spies in it. I've broken my own system. Okay, well, yeah. Thriller so... means spies exclusively to Sam so however uh, the video essayist uh, also mentioned that it was sort of a like a love not a love story I don't know what the word is but uh, to photography to filmography yes and that certainly is true because within the within the movie obviously they're they're renting horses out for the movie industry and then they also are trying to film events that are happening in and around their ranch area and they have to try and do this in multiple different ways and that's very interesting in itself and there's a sort of secondary character uh, called dupe uh, played by Stephen Yun, who is also a former child star in in Hollywood, so there's sort of like these connections to, to yeah, sort of Hollywood and all Hollywood and, and filmmaking generally. Uh, yeah. the, the film itself, it, it it they they made a new basically they came up with a new technology for shooting. It's called day for night. So in in the olden days of of cinema, when cameras were big and hefty and weren't very good. Uh, they were good at shooting for, during the day, but they couldn't shoot anything at night and lighting wasn't as good. Uh, they would basically shoot during the day and then filter it blue or sort of just darken it and make it... You can... you what you Any film sort of from the 50s, 60s, it's all... Even 2010, which we'll come back to in films on TV in a bit. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so even, you know, all those... you Because know, it's just easier for them to shoot during the day and then put it for a blue filter. Obviously, as cameras got better and lighting techniques got better and all that, then more and more films shot at night. But this came up with a way of essentially shooting during the day, but then making it look like nighttime. And it creates sort of this kind of weird sort of ethereal sort of look to it. It's a strange sort of look that you're not used to with film. And it's very beautiful. But actually, it was I, I saw a an interview with Daniel Kalia where they talked about how actually compared to a lot of horror movies, a lot of this is set during the day. That is also very true. Yes. And set when you can see things or you still can't see things, but you're still, you, that's, you know, in a horror movie, that's when you think you should be safest is during the day. And actually, you know, the climax of the film is again, largely set in daytime. Talking about uh, the, it being linked to cinema generally. The climax is also set during the magic hour, which is actually a cinematic term for that, like um, cinematographers and directors of photography are interested in, which is that time basically just before sunset as the sun's going down and everything's beautiful. And that's a time that is very precious for people shooting films where you're running out of light, but it's like the perfect light. And so there we scenes like set at this time where they've had to shoot it in about 15 minutes just to get the exact composition of everything right. It's called the magic hour. Part of the scene is is set during that time as well, and it's even referenced by one of the characters. But did you did you have something to say? Nope. I nope <laughs> nope. <laughs> I think we can uh, unless you had anything else, we can move into a spoiler. Oh, we can go into spoilers if you want. So if you want to skip any spoilers. Skip to this time. 27 minutes, 55 seconds.
So I'm going to tell you what I thought was the scariest part of the film. Okay, so straight in. Straight in. So, well, to set it up for anyone who's who's still with us, there's basically they're being hunted by this alien in the sky. They discover it's actually like a creature itself. And the the secondary character, Dupe, ends up... He's, he It turns out he's trying to feed this thing and use it as all sort of entertainment purposes. And so he puts on a show, he, he has an audience, he's trying to feed it a horse, and it ends up sucking everyone up into it. And they all get sucked up. And then that night, the characters are in the house, their house in the ranch, and this, cre- this creature goes over the house while it's raining and then just starts depositing, you know, basically all the stuff it, from people it cannot eat. You know, keys, money, stuff they were like, watches, anything like that. Anything that's sucked up by accident. As well as just raining blood on this house. And it's thunder and lightning. And there's also the screams of all the people inside this thing as they're being sort of digested. And blood and water is just raining on this house. And I thought that was... Super cool. <laughs> this is the only way to describe it. Horrific, but super cool. Yeah, I because I said to you like during the movie, I was like, did it purposefully target the house? Because it's a massive wide open space that they have this huge ranch and then it like just vomited or like excreted over this one very specific location. So yeah, I mean, obviously it wouldn't be like the same effect if it was just like, off in the distance over the field yeah but like i i yeah. think i think it was doing it on purpose because they yeah. talk about the, the creature being territorial like it thinks they're in its land yeah and so like i think it's sort of being like if i ain't gonna eat you i'm gonna scare you off right just basically one way of doing it basically just poops a bunch <laughs> of blood and bits of people out onto their yeah. house the other bit that was interesting about the film we can talk about is there's this sort of subplot going on. Yeah. That is... So the character of Duke, played by Stephen Yeun, like I say, he was a child star, but... And the film opens with this. It kind of opens with this. It's you hear a... What is clearly like a sitcom. It's got like canned laughter. It's got cheesy jokes and stuff. A sitcom from the, the 90s. And then you hear something go terribly wrong. And what's happened is there's a chimpanzee called Gordy who, on the set of this TV show, something startled it, and it got angry and violent and killed two of the cast members, at least two of the cast members, and maims another. And while Stephen Yeun's character, you know, child character is hiding under a table. And they they come back to this as well later on. You see more of this scene. And it's interesting. We sort of discussed that quite a lot after we watched it. Yeah. Because to me, it felt a bit unnecessary. And I've sort of been trying to read more about it. I think the reason it's put in there, because the second time you see the scene, it's all from this child who's hiding under a table's point of view. You see the monkey has killed two people. Is there a chimpanzee? Yeah, it's an ape, Chris. Sorry. Great ape. Sorry, I don't want to get cancelled by accidentally calling a chimpanzee a monkey. That's right. Then the monkey... Sorry, chimpanzee. I've now confused (laughs) myself. The chimpanzee spots this child under the table, 
comes over to it and you think, oh, no, this is bad, but then reaches out to the child to do... It's meant it's established before that they they did the first ever exploding fist bump on TV, and so it reaches out to do a fist bump, and he reaches out as well, and just before they do it, Gordy is shot dead. The chimpanzee later, as an adult, Dupe has created a little sort of museum to the whole experience, including a bloody shoe from from the set that day from one of his co-stars. I read that the the, the scene is meant to sort of explain why. Dupe thinks he can tame the animal later, so the the alien animal later by feeding it a horse and having it sort of perform for his entertainment. Like he, the the experience with Gordy, like he survived it. He thinks that he can control what is essentially a wild animal, and it's sort of about you know humans and can we control these things because they are we we think we have a certain measure of control, but then if it gets out of hand, a tr- chimpanzee can easily tear people to pieces. They are very strong. They are very strong. They will tear you limb from limb. Do not yeah. try and befriend a chimpanzee. Uh-uh. That's the moral of this story. And I thought this I thought the scenes with Gordy set in this sitcom were excellent. They were, yeah. The because obviously it's a CGI chimpanzee, yes. it's not a real chimpanzee. Because like... otherwise it would be deeply hypocritical of the film to be like, well, don't well, yes. don't, don't, don't work with these trained wild animals <laughs> and then have a trained wild animal. Exactly. But there's a point at which where, yeah, like the, the child is under the table, but there's a like tablecloth over the front of part of it. So he's, you know, partially hidden from view, but the chimp still sees him. And then, of course, you've got the chimpanzee coming very, very close to camera because it's point of view of the child. And it was, yeah, I thought it was really cleverly done because... If that tablecloth wasn't there, you'd see the eyes of the creature where a massive issue with CGI is that eyes are really hard to recreate and look real. And we have this uncanny valley where, you know, you can create animation of humans or humanoid creatures or even, yeah, even real life animals. But it's so hard to get the eyes right that something in our brain is like, hmm, that's looks real but it isn't so to hide the eyes behind sort of this partially see-through bit of tablecloth was really clever because then it didn't take you out of the movie i didn't think too much yes but i i I think though that i still i still think that despite the scenes themselves being really good i think they were maybe too much of a distraction from the main part like bulk of the film yeah it did feel bolted on or like some some superfluousness I, I, to it. I don't feel you need to have that character's motivation explained in such a way. So deeply. No, because I think the character itself is he he's a you know he's his former child star. He runs now a sort of amusement park in the middle of the California desert, and it's like he's this is sort of what he does now. He does these little. He's a you know he's always on the you know grinding and hustling and whatnot. That seems sort of motivation enough for why he would maybe like want to tame what he thinks is a sort of money making scheme. Yeah, well, but I mean, yeah. Jordan Peele no, knows better than me though. So really, <laughs> write him I'm a not, letter. I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna criticize him that much. Really, that's just my sort of personal 
worthless opinion. Well, you know, your opinion is your opinion and that's okay. Now, we also did discuss in terms of a more sort of negative aspect to, to the film was about how much you see the creature. Yes. I think that you lose an element of suspense uh, as soon as you see the creature, right? Yes. I think that... Especially in its fullness. Yes, exactly. And we, and it's quite early on. It, I, don't, I don't know exactly, 20, 30 minutes in, maybe not as early as that, but it felt very early to be just, you know, providing you with essentially a full-on view of what it is. I suppose what we don't know that early on is that it is a creature and not a UFO ship. Yes. So that that element of what is it, you know, are there alien creatures within this you know what what is its motivation why are they why is it here that is unknown so maybe that maybe that was part of the reason why you see it so early i think things like cloverfield super eight where you don't see the monster until like quite near the end i mean i think with cloverfield you never really properly see the entire thing no the closest you get to is like right at the end it sort of jumps towards camera. But even mm. then, it still looked like it's only a small view of it, of a very large thing. Super 8 did eventually show you the the, the creature, but which I, I remember at the time being like, oh, that's disappointing. I could have, like, <laughs> I could have happily... Not Because you can imagine scarier things than what they can show you. Exactly. So you do by the end so the, so as the climax sort of continues the the creature starts to essentially grow and it like unfurls itself into sort of like a big kite like ribbon like creature yeah it's almost like a secondary form yes of the of it and it's i read that it was partly designed like that to look like essentially how how angels in the bible are actually like people think of angels as being you know people with nice wings and long flowing hair and they're sort of very beautiful but actually the interpretations of angels are are basically big balls of eyes with like wings and stuff what? They're, they're, yeah look up look up angels as a thing and they are basically masses of eyes all seeing yeah kind of like they you know they're they're Looking out, of, you know, for Earth, for you know, on behalf of the the big God, and oh. yeah, they're sort of they're, they're those interpretations of it are quite creepy. And I think it was meant to be like that's kind of the inspiration that the the creature design had. Well, because obviously initially you go in thinking it's a UFO that it's extraterrestrial, but then I feel like at some point the characters even mentioned that it could be like a terrestrial being you know like the Loch Ness monster or whatever where it's something that exists on earth but has just never been documented before i don't think it's necessarily like you say if it's something that's in reference to angels which are something that's been documented by humans at some point then perhaps it's more maybe it is a terrestrial being maybe maybe who knows who knows but yeah, no, I hadn't, I hadn't appreciated that it had some like reference like that that was like specifically uh, des- described as as how angels had been described or similar to. Yes. No. Do yourself a favor and uh, look up 
angels after this. Like a favor or nightmare fuel? Yeah, six of one. So that is nope. Any final things you want to say? Nope. Perfect. So next up, Sam's pick of films on free-to-air television. Welcome back to part four. Sam, you've picked uh, films on free-to-air television for the forthcoming week. Ooh, classic starting on Saturday, 25th of February on Legend, so you know it's going to be good. 6.40pm, Mega Piranha. That's right, starring 80s pop sensation Tiffany. We got this film from Poundland. We spent a whole pound on it, watched it with my brother, had a great old time, waited (laughs) the entire time. Okay, with spoiler alert. (laughs) <laughs> it stars yeah. 80s pop sensation Tiffany, and that's we call her that because that's how she was literally credited on the DVD box. Exactly. You're like, well, she's definitely going to say during a quiet moment where they think they're not being chased, she'll say, I think we're alone now. I think we're now. alone now. Does she? Does she, heck? <laughs> Surely if you've hired Tiffany, 80s pop sensation Tiffany... Where are where are the writers? Where are Unless, the writers? Unless, of course, she's like contractually. She said no, <laughs> just no. I'll do your dumb film, but no, I ain't saying that. I'll yeah. do the film in which the soldiers are clearly carrying basically water pistols, uh, <laughs> and I'll do the film in which I'm pretty sure didn't they charge a phone by like I think they ended up taking a battery out of an iPhone. Yeah, they did, yeah. They Where took a battery out of an iPhone. iPhones which... famously do not have removable batteries. I mean, most... Uh, it's, this is this is 2010, right? Yeah. And it was set present day, yeah. and phones had not had removable batteries for, like, at least five years at that point, I think. So, and yes, I, iPhones specifically, you have never been able to remove the battery as far as I'm aware, so... Nope, never. And, and this is what I was talking about earlier as well, about day-to-night filming. Yes. Because not only do they use daytime shots and then just darkening them down to yeah. night shots, they use the exact they same, use the same shot, shot. Yeah. and flip it. Yeah, yeah, because they're driving in one direction, aren't they? And it's daytime, yeah. and they drive in one direction, yeah. and later it's night, so they darken it and they flip the film, and they show the exact same shot going back the other way. Uh, it's classic, truly classic budget filmmaking. Just if you just want like a laugh and it's yeah just it's just a bit of fun so just a bit of fun mega piranha 2010 on 6 40 p.m on legend that's saturday sunday 26th of february uh, on itv2 at 4 50 p.m it's ice age yeah one for the family um animated i want to say maybe dreamworks but i've got no idea <laughs> good um, to see you did your research on this yeah and uh, it's about a bunch of creatures in the Ice Age, a saber-toothed tiger, a woolly mammoth, and I don't know what that little Weasley dude is, but he's about. And <laughs> <laughs> they find a human child or they kidnap it or something, and then they end up returning it to the family. And it it's a whole thing. It's a journey. So sure, that's all I've got. So that is on Sunday. At, on Monday, you've got two films back to back, or there's a film in between. There's a film in between. Yes. Because the first one ain't four hours long. So the uh, Monday, 27th of February, on film four, you've got The Martian at 6 10 p.m. That's right. This is Matt Damon uh, surviving on Mars after 
there was a, a storm that blew over the something happened and he got trapped on Mars and his cr- other crew members were able to escape using the escape pod. They think he's obviously perished because, you know, is Mars is extremely inhospitable. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, he survived. And so despite everyone thinking that he's no longer alive, he manages to survive on Mars for, I think it's like several months before a, before he's even able to get a message out to the fact that he's alive this movie has always well and the initial book that 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 it's based on has always been credited with having extremely accurate sort of scientific basis for all of the things that happen you know him growing potatoes um like the fuel system that he works out the only thing that's nonsense is the original storm but yeah. you know you need you need a you need an inciting incident to... exactly exactly yes uh andy weir's book the martian is uh, i think well worth a read and like sam said uh, you know actually scientifically accurate but also entertaining the character is an entertaining uh, uh he's a botanist uh he's an entertaining character to spend time with so yeah played by matt damon in the film then there's another film in between that's not worth watching according to sam uh, I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> but after that film at 11.10pm on Film 4, you've got Happy Death Day. Yeah, so this is a Groundhog Day style horror where a young lady is murdered and then she wakes up. She's murdered. She's murdered by a creepy person wearing a baby mask. Ah, yes, 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 yes. No, that is seared into my brain. Just had forgotten. And then, yeah, she she wakes up again and then ends up you know, being murdered again and again, and then has to try and figure out what's going on to break the cycle. But I very, I very much enjoyed this. It's a good fun. It's a good fun film, and if you enjoy it, you can then follow up on Tuesday, twenty eighth of Feb, on Film Four at nine pm with Happy Death Day to you. That's right. So this came out a couple of years after the original, but uh, we haven't actually. We've been meaning to sit and watch this because we watched the first one with uh, your brother and his yeah, partner, did. didn't we? So uh, yeah, we've been sort of. We need to get on it, and you know, this came out in 2019. Then you know something's been going on where we weren't all able to sit in the same room for a yeah, while. So yeah, I can't we. Uh, what. No, I don't know either. But yeah, so we need to put a date in the diary for that. Maybe even on Tuesday. Who knows? Potentially. So uh, that's Happy Death Day to You on Film 4 at 9 on Tuesday. Then Wednesday we have uh, on ITV4 at 10, Alien. And then Thursday we have Howard's... No, I'm just kidding, Sam. Don't get angry. We're going to talk about Alien. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) Alien from 1979, Ridley Scott. Absolute classic. Your favourite film? Question mark? I I mean, I don't think you can put... Alien or Captain Marvel, Sam? Uh, Alien? That's the right answer. But, okay, so Alien, yes. If you haven't seen this, like, where have you been? I mean, okay, I get it. Not everyone is into horror or sci-fi or horror (laughs) (laughs) sci-fi. But it's, like, kind of almost action as well. There's a lot of... No? There's a lot of running around. Running around, okay. Thrillers doesn't equal spies <laughs> and running around doesn't equal action. <laughs> Otherwise, bloody Chariots of Fire would, they would die hard as greatest action movies. All right. Well, okay. Just, well, yeah. Okay. I I understand. Not everyone, yeah. Not everyone has like no soul, so needs like to find 
fear in something. <laughs> but yeah, alien. Your fear is in human interaction. That is correct. Uh, so this is perfect because it's human alien interaction. Yeah. Sam loves it. All the humans all the humans start getting killed and then that's like less human interaction can happen. So Yeah. Sam's perfect film. I mean the only problem is she ends up um with a cat as her companion and I'm allergic to cats. So if you just swapped that with a dog, I'd be that would be Oh, because if you swap that with a dog, there would be then a dog in peril and you would be so nervous for the entire thing. That is true. They, it would make would it more horrifying. more horrifying. Yeah. Well, anyway, so, yeah, we, you know, people know what this is. Sigourney Weaver, Alien. It's great. Check it out. It's great. That's 10pm ITV4 on Wednesday, the 1st of March. Then, finally, rounding off the week, Thursday, the 2nd of March, on Film 4 at 3.55pm, Howard's End. Yeah, so it was a bit slim pickings this week, Chris. So to, to pick out a, a final film... I picked something I'd never even heard of, but it had it has it has quite a few big names. Emma it's, Thompson, it's considered a classic. Anthony Hopkins, Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah, I've never consi- seen you're it. Saying, you're saying it's considered a classic, it like is. I've never heard of this. So okay, but that that doesn't really mean much, does it? <laughs> oh no, that is true. <laughs> I've barely heard of any of these people, uh, let alone the movies they've been in. So, Exactly. I mean, for those who, like me, have not heard of this, it's about a chance encounter during a cruise, which, terrible mistake, sounds like a horror film. Why would you go on a cruise? Throws the romantic Schlegel sisters into the path of the Wilcoxes, an industrious family headed by the well-meaning but straight-laced Henry. And blah, 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 something about wills and conflict and tragic consequences. Uh, It's a merchant ivory period drama based on E.M. Forster's novel. It is indeed. And of course, uh, in 1992, it did receive nine nominations uh, at the Academy Awards, the Oscars, Sam, including Best Picture, Best Director, and uh, Emma Thompson won Best Actress for her role in this film, uh, one of two Oscars that she has. So, Well, there you go. So it's one to watch. It is indeed. Sam picking out the little known ones, <laughs> the nine-time Oscar nominees. Look, you got Megan Prana at the other end of this. So. <laughs> you do, it's true. Yeah, you saw that one. Exactly. <laughs> so that is it for the week, and that is it for this pod. If you would like to get in contact with either of us, uh, you can email Sam at sam at com or chris at stalbanspodcast.com. Uh, we would love to hear from you. And we will be back together in a couple of weeks' time uh, with me on film picking duties. But next, you have Howard Linsky and Danny Smith presenting, and then it will be me and Sam again. So we look forward to seeing you then. Please do tune in. Um, tune in. How old do I sound? Please do download. Please rate, subscribe, all that. <laughs> Yeah, twiddle those dials. And... Twiddle those dials. Yeah, rate and subscribe. And this this has ended very poorly. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. All the best to you. See you next time. Perfect. Very professional. Bye. 